Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. <laughs> I'm stalling because I don't want to preach this message. I actually was pre- I had another message, and uh, it was a good message. You would have loved it. It was, was going to be great and change your life. Good message. But uh, at 7.30 all, all week, the Lord was challenging my heart, and I'm like, nope. And at like 7.30 last night, like I was in prayer and I was on my laptop and like I felt like the Lord was like, dude, come on. Like, do what I've asked you to do. Like, because the message title is Nothing is Impossible for God. Which is like, hey man, praise hallelujah. But those of you, like some of you are visiting, but those of you that know me, like it's been kind of a tough year. You know what I'm saying? Like in the last 11 months, my stepmom has died of cancer. My good friend Olgi died of cancer. My friend Ralph died of, a, brain, of a, a, a lung disease. My brother died of cancer. My wife was in an accident and suffered a traumatic brain injury. And two weeks ago, my sister was on a medically induced coma in ICU on life support on a ventilator. And then the Lord's like, yeah, I want you to teach that nothing is impossible. I'm like, come on, dude, I've had a kind of a tough year because here's the deal. I've prayed for all these people. And I guess if you get really sick, you don't want me praying for you because all those people are in heaven. <laughs> like, I've prayed for the impossible. And so far, Josie's yet to be healed. Now, I will say this. My sister has pulled through. She's in a rehab learning how to breathe again. So thank God for that. But it's just, like, it's just been kind of a tough year. And then the Lord's like, yeah, it'd be a good time to preach nothing is impossible. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stick my, like, la, 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 I can't hear you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) You know, like, but just because I'm not necessarily good at the assignment doesn't mean I get to not do it. Does that make sense? There's a sermon in there somewhere. Because if we only say yes to the things we're good at, we'll never do the things that God's challenging us to do. We're going to make our Christianity super easy. And the Bible never made it easy on anybody. And the crazy thing, those that do know my story, my ministry, I've I've been in ministry almost 30 years now. When I was 16 years old, my ministry started with a miracle, the impossible. So for those that don't know the story, I will briefly retell this story. When I was 16 years old, I was barely saved. Like, I may not have been saved. But I went on a missions trip to Peru in South America. We were down there for nine weeks. And it was before the internet, so it was like you get on the plane and your mom just hopes that nine weeks later you get off the plane because there is no contact. I mean, other people were making contact. I wasn't making contact. Sorry, mom. So we're down there and we do this little drama and then somebody shares a testimony and then somebody you know, preaches the gospel and gives an altar call and then we go pray for people in the crowd and then we go connect them to people in the local church that's there, you know, like there's a church in that little village. So it's the end of the trip. I'm still barely saved. I'm just kind of ready to go home and eat American food because all they eat three meals a day is black beans and rice in Peru, which is great like once at a Peruvian restaurant, but for nine weeks at 16 years old, three meals a day, yes, including breakfast, I was ready to go home. I was barely saved, like I, I, I was done. So we do our little, we're out in a village somewhere and the, the, the town center had like a little street square that was lower and then it had these steps that like 
we were doing our little drama and talking to the people down and think, but there was probably like 100 people from the community that was surrounding us and watching and listening. And I gave this, you know, uh, we did a little drama and, and I'm standing over here with the other kids from America and somebody's sharing the testimony and talking about Jesus and I'm looking at the crowd and I see this old blind guy up the top of the stairs leaning up against a lamppost and he's got the big, you know, Florida wraparound sunglasses and a cane and a cool like Peruvian fedora looking hat and instead of like facing us, he's kind of turning so he can listen and um, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to my heart really for the first time in my life. Gotta remember, I'm barely saved. He said, if you go pray for the blind guy, I'll heal him. I'm like, I shouldn't have had those black beans at lunch. Like, that was just one too many. Now I'm hearing voices. So we break, and we go to pray for the people, and I go grab a kid from the youth group uh, in Peru that speaks, he's a translator. I said, hey, can we go pray for the blind guy? He's like, sure. So we go up the top of the stairs. Hello, sir, I'm Brad from America. Did you like our drama? I'm like, he goes, well, I, I can't see, but I heard it, and it sounded very nice. Thank you for coming to our city. I said, sir, I'd like to pray for you. He said, okay. So he takes off his little hat and holds it over, and me and the kid from the youth group in Peru are praying for him. Now, at the time, my, my, you know how we have a prayer team that prays for people? My mom was on our prayer team. My, my stepfather was the associate pastor of our church. Like, I knew how to pray. I, 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 had been, I had heard healing prayers my whole life. So I'm praying all the prayers that my mom would pray for people at the altar. Funny thing is, Nothing happened. So I'm like, cool, cool, cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. God's not real. I don't have to be a Christian anymore. So I'm, I'm like, if, if, what's the point, right? So I'm like, okay. And then I felt like, one more try. So I told the guy. I said, sir, we're praying for your eyes to be healed and that God would open your blind eyes. And I look at the kid to translate, and he's like, this white guy from America, not me that's your next-door neighbor, is praying for your blind eyes to be open. And the old guy kind of looks back at me and he takes off his big wraparound sunglasses and he kind of leans over to me and he's got these like big white, gray, goopy cataracts that are covering his eyes. Probably could have seen as a younger man, but without LASIK surgery in the 80s, he had gone completely blind. And he's like right close, nose to nose. And I'm like, oh snap, you weren't playing. But then I felt like this, like I was the puppet and like a hand went up my spine and grabbed my mouth. And I looked right into his eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And that's all I said. And immediately I felt like electrical power. I know I sound like a crazy person right now, but stay with me. And then I watched instantly those big gray goopy cataracts began to dissolve and big beautiful brown eyes started. The guy was completely healed in that moment. He grabbed his cane and his hat and he just was like screaming in Spanish and just took off running. And me and the kid from the youth group, my translator, we had the same look on our face. Like, did you see that? So here's what happened in that moment. I knew that God was real. I knew that, that the Bible was true. I knew that heaven was real. I knew that, that hell was real. I knew that, that the devil was real and that sin was real. And, and I knew that for the rest of my life, I was going to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ because nobody could tell me that God's not real. I saw the impossible with my own eyes. I, I, I know that the impossible is possible so that 30 years later, the Lord's like, why don't you teach a sermon called Nothing is Impossible? I'm like, why don't you not make me do that? Well, think about what the word impossible means. 
And the easiest illustration for me would be to go back to like biblical times. Go back 2,000 years and think about what was possible and impossible 2,000 years ago. Like imagine you're sitting around a campfire with the disciples, right? And you're just telling stories like, hey, in 2023, we've, um, like try to explain flight. And then try to explain like jet flight at 30,000 feet, you know? Try to explain like electricity and telephones and cell phones and FaceTime and the internet. Try to explain like a 4K television. Try to explain antibiotics. Like, like you explain things to somebody 2,000 years ago, and Peter's going to be like, dude, that's impossible. I'd cut somebody's ear off that says that that's possible. Like, that's totally impossible. That was a joke for the Bible nerds. The point is, somebody's going to be like, okay, listen here, time traveler. Like, it's neat to think that, that it's maybe a thing that you could fly at 30,000 feet at 600 miles an hour, but bro, that is impossible. But today, 2,000 years later, it's ordinary. You can fall asleep on an airplane at 30,000 feet going 600 miles an hour. Once electricity was invented and the light bulb was invented, once you flip the switch to turn the lights on, most of us are not lighting our house with candles. Yes, I know we have to have the perfect candle to have our quiet time so that we can get that in the Instagram photo, but I mean lighting your whole house. Like, we're not going back to the days of Little House on the Prairie, especially when it's 109 degrees and we need air conditioning. Amen? Like, nobody's going back because what used to be impossible today is ordinary. So after I saw blind eyes open 30 years ago, I know that it's possible, but it's not yet ordinary. So then I need to keep pressing in for more. Why would we not when we read our Bible? It is full of God doing the impossible through regular people. God doing the, the, the supernatural through regular people. Like, go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah, they're 100 years old and had never had any babies. Total barrenness. But all of a sudden, they have this miracle baby. Exodus chapter 13, Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt into the Sinai. Hello, Red Sea in the way. God parts the Red Sea and... Moses leads the people of Israel, over a million people, on dry land where there was moments earlier an ocean. Exodus chapter 16, they're out in the desert on the other side, and there's nothing to eat because, you know, it's a desert. So God's like, no problem. I'll just have, like, bread fall out of the sky, and, and birds, quail, will come and land, and you can kill them and eat them. Uh, you can smack that rock, and water will come out. I'm telling you impossible things that God did because you take a natural situation and then you introduce God into it and the impossible becomes possible. Joshua took the people up to the promised land and there was a big city of Jericho and there's like, well, there's these giant walls and he's like, no problem, we'll just have uh, presence and prayer and we'll just pray and worship and these giant stone walls will fall down. A couple chapters later, Joshua's in a battle. The people of Israel are trying to take the land of Israel and they're like, man, if we only had like another couple of hours of daylight, and the Lord's like, you need more sunlight? I'll just extend the day and we'll have more daylight. First Samuel chapter 17, a teenager kills a veteran warrior. Second Kings chapter 4, Elisha multiplies a widow's oil. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Son of Man, don't forget there were four people in that fiery furnace, survive. When the two soldiers that threw the three guys into the furnace died, in the furnace are four people. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the Son of God. A couple chapters later, Daniel 
is in a den of hungry lions, and he's not eaten. All of that is in the Old Testament before baby Jesus. Let's talk about baby Jesus. Flip to the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes and talks to a teenage girl. The angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to bear a son. Just give him the name Jesus. I don't like that we said Jesus because that's not what they said. In ancient Hebrew, it would have been Yeshua, which means salvation. You're going to name this boy Yeshua, salvation. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God is going to give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, the 16-year-old virgin, is like, cool, but how? I'm still a virgin. Not a crazy question to ask. Like, you're saying something impossible, so how is the impossible going to happen? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the, Holy, the, power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child is going to be born called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, who was in her old age and barren, she has also conceived a son, and in the sixth month of her who was, who was barren, verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. I looked it up. The word nothing means no thing. No thing is impossible with God. So as believers, as followers of Jesus, we honestly should remove the word impossible from our vocabulary. Somebody comes to you and is like, hey, we believe that God wants us to do this. If your response is, uh, that's impossible, one of you is wrong, and it's the word impossible in your mouth. Well, our marriage is really struggling, and I feel like we're at the end, and we're going to have to get divorced. Well, I'm telling you nothing is impossible for God. Well, I have this unsaved family member, and they're running so far. They've got such addiction problems. They're just, there's no way they could possibly turn their heart to Jesus. I'm telling you nothing is impossible for God. I'm telling you my wife has been in an accident and has traumatic brain injury and a completely ruptured eardrum, and she's going to have to have surgery to regrow her eardrum. I'm telling you nothing is impossible for God, and he can regrow the eardrum. Like every time there's a sickness, we're like, oh, no, Sickness. And we're like, okay, but nothing is impossible for God. Oh, I have all this money trouble, and I'm in all this high-interest credit card debt, and I, you know, I just lost my job, and I'm, just, I'm going under. Well, that's one way of looking at it. The other is nothing is impossible for God. We need to learn to change and dare to ask God for the impossible. Because often we put God in a box of what we can limit that he could possibly do. This is the possibility, God. You could do a miracle in here. And God's like, you need to throw out that box. Because we are the ones that limit God. Because we are finite, and we live in a finite world with finite resources. So we try to put God, who is infinite, in our finite box. But nothing is impossible for God. So we need to remove our box, throw the box out. Why? Because nothing is impossible for God. He only did miracles in the Bible? Does that even make sense? He only did miracles for people 2,000 years ago? Does that doesn't even make sense? He did miracles for thousands of years? The gospel went to the nations, and then he stopped doing miracles? Hello. Something has changed. The problem is in us. We filter things, like I, I have to wear glasses now, which bend light so that all of you that are super duper fuzzy, when I put this on, it filters you, bends the image so that now you're sharp. Actually, I need a new prescription. You're still fuzzy, but that's never here nor there. When life comes at us, we take this and we go, this is what's possible. So God, you can do things in my life as long as it fits through what I think is possible. And God's like, dude, nothing is impossible for me. One of the most shocking sermons I ever heard on this subject was out of Bethel Church in Redding, California. Pastor Bill Johnson 
his wife developed cancer. It was terminal, stage four. So they prayed and believed God for a miracle. And the miracle was she went to heaven and was not healed on this earth of her cancer. So you would expect a guy that teaches on the miraculous and a guy that teaches sermons like this, nothing is impossible for God, would be like, oh. But that Sunday morning after his wife died, Bill preached a sermon and he said, only the backslider would blame God for something he didn't do. Nothing is impossible for God. What's impossible in your life right now? What situation are you facing that is impossible? Can you remove the word impossible and put the, uh, the word possible and put in the word impossible? Nothing is impossible for God. What is the key? You have a lock. You have a locked door in front of you. What's the key to unlocking it? The Bible says it's faith. We've talked about faith before. You had faith that your car brakes would work today. You have faith that the chair you're sitting in would work. You have faith that the engineers of this building 50 years ago, that the roof's not going to come crashing down on you and your family. You put a lot of faith in a lot of things. You put faith in an airplane to take you to 30,000 feet. We put faith in things all the time. But faith is the key to unlocking miracles in our life. Jesus was trying to get the disciples to think beyond their natural reason and understanding. So for years, the disciples were following Jesus closely, watching him do miracles, asking questions, learning from Jesus how to operate in the supernatural. But one time, Jesus was just like up to here. Like, you know how your mom would sometimes get up to here with you? Jesus was up to here with the disciples and their lack of faith, Matthew chapter 17. And then when they came to the crowd, a man came up kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures, he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire. He'll often fall into the water. This demon was tormenting this, this little boy. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples. He said, aw, boys, group hug. This must have been really tough on you that you prayed for that little boy and he wasn't healed. How many of you know that's not what Jesus said? He looked at his disciples and said, you faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long do I have to bear with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. The boy was healed instantly. So the disciples later came to Jesus privately, and they're like, bro, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said to the disciples, because of your little faith. These are disciples that have been walking with Jesus for years. And Jesus is like, I've had enough with you. Listen carefully. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. Because, listen to this verse, this is going to mess with your theology. Nothing will be impossible for you. Mic drop, Jesus returns to heaven. On one hand, it's like, well, praise the Lord. I heard this sermon that nothing is impossible for God. But Jesus, like, upsized the fries and Coke on this order and is like, yeah, nothing is impossible for you if you would just have a tiny bit of faith. Because the disciples, like, barely understood the concept that nothing was impossible for God. But then Jesus is like, yeah, all you need is a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of faith, and then nothing will be impossible for you. That kind of messes with theology a little bit. Could you repeat after me? Nothing is impossible for God. 
Now say this, nothing is impossible for me. That one hits a little different, doesn't it? Did you notice how upset Jesus was? There was no like cupcakes and rainbows and like, oh, shucks, little buddy. You'll get them next time. Just keep praying. Jesus was disgusted. He said, why do I have to put up with you? When do I get to go back to heaven? I am sick of dealing with you faithless, twisted people. All you need is a tiny little bit of a mustard seed of faith. The problem is, the disciples saw a giant problem, and they thought the problem was bigger than Jesus. How often do we do that? There's this giant problem. This little boy can't get set free of this demon. We have a giant, well, I'm facing addiction, I'm facing anxiety, I'm facing bankruptcy, I'm facing cancer, I'm facing depression, I'm facing migraines, I'm facing brain trauma, I'm facing unemployment, I'm facing this giant thing, and the problem is closer and bigger than Jesus is in our life. But the answer is Jesus, and he's a lot closer than we think. What was the key? Faith. Tiny little bit of faith. Can I give you a little bit of good news from that story? All but one disciple understood Jesus' message, transformed their thinking, and accepted the fact that they need to have faith in Jesus to perform miracles. And there's stories of all of those disciples performing miracles all over the world. So that is an invitation for you and I to have our thoughts and hearts and minds transformed, that we would put on the glasses of nothing is impossible for God, that we would remove the word impossible from our vocabulary, and that we would say, with God, nothing is impossible through me. All things are possible. In fact, I didn't put it in the, I, I had it in, I cut it out for time. Later, Jesus says, all things are possible to those that believe. Are you a believer? Nothing is impossible for you. Because here's a question. Here's a warning. If you say yes to this message in your heart, and you're like, yes, nothing is impossible for God. Lord, I declare nothing is impossible for you in my life. I warn you, God is going to call you to do some impossible things. Because if you only do the things that is possible, then you're only doing the things that are natural. You're not doing the things that are kingdom. God is always going to call you to do things that are impossible. He's going to always call you to do the things that require a mustard seed of faith. Faith will always go beyond our intellectual reasoning. So when problems arise in your life, you can't intellectually reason a miracle. You have to respond in faith and not doubt in your heart. If you believe in your heart without doubt, nothing is impossible. Doubt is what kills our faith. If faith is the key that unlocks the door to the miraculous, doubt is the thing that breaks the key and throws it away, and you'll never get that thing open. So we cannot allow doubt in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, or in the people around us. The, you walk into a room. It's dark. You have a need. I have a need. I, I need to see where I'm going so I don't trip. I need to see where I'm going so I don't stub my toe. So I need to connect to the electricity. I need to connect to the light source. So you use the switch. Click. That point, that's faith. You're putting faith in that switch. It is the point of connection between the need and the answer to that need. It is the, that is what faith is. When you pray a prayer that I'm taking, I have a need, and I'm going to click, and I'm going to believe that nothing is impossible for God. Our heart is the switch. Our heart is the place that things flip from impossible to possible with God. So we're the ones that need to train our hearts and minds to think that nothing is impossible. We're the ones that need to train our hearts and minds to not give in to worry and fear and doubt and unbelief. It's so easy to give in. Worry is easy. Faith is the one thing that's hard. Fear is easy. Faith is hard. But 
that's the problem. We often respond with the things that we can see. So we need to change our doctrine, to the, even that we believe in the things that we can't see. So here's the thing. I'm at an impasse in my life. In the last 11 months, like, I'm, I'm glad that you all haven't died because like everybody in my life has died in the last 11 months. It's been a really weird year for me. But normally when we lose people to cancer, who's a lot of what's been lost, we blame God. God. God didn't bring cancer into the earth. I mean, that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Well, I don't know why God didn't heal. I don't know why God didn't provide. I don't know why God didn't open a door. It's not God's fault because nothing is impossible for God. We need to go back to the switch. We need to go back to the connection point. There are laws. There are rules. The sun comes up. The sun sets. You drop a book. Gravity pulls it down. There are laws. There's rules. You cast out a demon and the demon doesn't come out, then something has been perverted. You pray for the sick. The sick should be healed. You cast out a demon. The demon should cast out. Anything less is a perversion of the kingdom of God on the earth. So look at the Bible. Every person that went to Jesus for a miracle walked away from Jesus with their miracle. The same should be true of us. Jesus told the disciples, go and do likewise. Some of you are like, I don't like where this message is going. I don't care. Because we can't just say yes to the things that we think are easy and understandable. We have to say yes to the things that are impossible. We have to say yes even though we bury people in our lives. I've buried a lot of people this year, but I need to keep saying yes. I need to keep saying yes to the impossible. I need to keep saying yes to praying for miracles. Why? Because nothing is impossible for God. That's been proven. I need to keep refining my faith, getting rid of fear, not trying to look at the thing that's right in front of me. Do you guys remember when Jesus was preaching out in the wilderness? And the Bible says that 5,000 men, so you know that you know, in those days there would have been women and children, so you're looking at a crowd of 20 to 30,000 people plus, and it's the end of the day, and the disciples see a problem. They see a need, and they go to Jesus, and they're like, uh, hey, JC, um, it, it's time to shut it down, say amen, and send the people home, because there's no food. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, that's a problem. Um, you feed them. And I'm sure their mouths were like, uh, uh, is, he, is he messing with us? Because they were probably expecting Jesus to be like, nah, got him. Like, I just playing. <laughs> you can't feed him. That's impossible. I'll feed him. Just because Jesus asks you to do something that is literally impossible doesn't mean he's going to change the assignment and make it easier for you. He's just going to help you step by step. He's like, no, you feed them. What do you got? We got some bread and fish. All right, bring it here. Here's another key, by the way. They took the thing that was natural and finite and they put it in the hands of the one who was infinite. What did Jesus do? He lifted it to his Father in heaven. He said, Lord, thanks for five loaves of bread and two fish. That's another key, by the way, of unlock, of turning that lock of the miraculous is thanksgiving to God. That we would learn to be grateful to God even when we're in impossible situations, even when there's more month than money, even when there's more sickness than healing, even when there's more heartache than deliverance and freedom, even when you're still carrying the pain, you go to the Lord, you say, Father, I wanna thank you, because you are the God that heals, you are the God that delivers, you are the God that does miracles. It is our lack of gratitude that often keeps us in the problem. It is our gratitude in his presence that unlocks the key to faith and brings the possible into our hands. Side note, 
Jesus was thanking God for something he didn't have yet. He was thanking God for feeding all these 20, 30,000 people. It hadn't happened yet. He was thanking God in advance. So you need a miracle in your life? I want you to thank God before it ever happens. I want you to thank God for the healing. I want you to thank God for the deliverance. I want you to thank God because it's continuing to build your faith. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need a tiny little bit. But what you need, you need to believe God for the impossible. So then what did he do? He dumped, you know, a little bit of fish and bread in a basket, an empty basket. He said, all right, boys, I told you, go feed them. And they were like, I, I take my basket with a tiny piece of bread and fish and I'll walk out into the crowd of 30,000 people, Lord, and then I'll, oh, snap. I'll feed everybody. Who fed the 5,000? The disciples did. Who told them to go feed the 5,000? Jesus did. He told them to do something that was impossible because the disciples saw the problem in their face. They couldn't see the answer in Jesus. We are the ones that have to transform our minds that when problems arise in our life, we look to Jesus as the one who makes a way, not at the problem and glorifies the problem bigger than Jesus. But it's our hearts, it's our minds that we filter things. We, we examine things and we filter things as it comes at us. And so often we will allow our fear and our unbelief to taint the truth. The truth is the word of God. Nothing is impossible. But so often these thoughts and these fears and these doubts come at us. And then we're like, I don't know what to do. Now I have all these thoughts and fears and doubts. Imagine if you're, you have a garden in the backyard and you're growing flowers or you're growing you know, peas and carrots and things like that in your back garden and you really want this garden to work well. You've spent money, you've spent time, you've built a little raised garden, like you have invested in this garden. You're trying to produce a harvest. You go to bed, you come out the next day, and you're like, look at my beautiful, ooh, little weed's popping up. And you just pull the little weed out, why? Because you're working on the harvest, you don't want weeds in your garden. And you go to work, you come back, you look, look at my beautiful, oh, I got two weeds in my garden, pop those bad boys out. God forbid you go to grandma's house for the weekend and come back three days later, and it's like, I don't even know where my peas and carrots are. I got weeds everywhere. So you put on some worship music, and you start pulling weeds. You're pulling weeds. Why? Because you don't want the weeds destroying the harvest. When you're believing God for the impossible, and you have thoughts of fear, and that, that, that this is impossible, that God could not possibly do that, thoughts of unbelief, you need to pull those things out of your heart and say, nothing is impossible for God. Imagine, if you will, you're going to sew a dress or a shirt. <laughs> you're like, do what? Imagine, if you will, it's 1837, and you're going to sew a dress. And your grandma gives you a pattern. You'd be like, this is a paper pattern. This is a beautiful dress. All you got to do is lay the pattern on the fabric and cut and sew. And every single time, you're going to get a perfect dress. Remember that illustration with Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Instead, I want you to be transformed. How am I going to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And then you're going to be tested, and you're going to be able to discern what is the will of God. What is the will of God? Nothing is impossible for God, and that is good and perfect and acceptable. So our mind will learn a pattern. So it is our mind. You can't 
expect a different dress if you're cutting from the same pattern. So the pattern of our lives need to be one of faith, need to be one of the, mir- of the miraculous, need to be one that says nothing is impossible for God, and I'm going to keep cutting this pattern. If you change the pattern, you'll get a different result. So the pattern we need is one of faith, that nothing is impossible for God. We're the ones that need to renew our minds to that of faith and create a new pattern that says nothing is impossible for God. Hop up on your feet. Come on, somebody. We've already done it once. I want you to declare it. Just repeat after me. Say, nothing is impossible for God. God. I need you to believe that. I said it earlier. I'm going to remind you. you. You need to get around people that are going to also be full of faith. And here's what I mean by that. Do you guys remember the verse I read to you 26 minutes ago? Mary, a 16-year-old virgin, the angel Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have the Savior of the world. Whoa. Hey, all right. Easy. If Mary would have gone back to Nazareth High School and said, oh my gosh, you guys are not going to believe this. I totally had an encounter with God at church. I'm going to have the Christ child. I don't know why she's from San Diego. (laughs) Do you know that her girlfriends would have been like, oh, baby girl, you just had a good like experience in worship. God's not going to have you do something like super duper impossible because you're just Mary. Hello. You're just Mary from Nazareth. Like God doesn't do impossible things through 16-year-old virgin girls from Nazareth. But what did Mary do? She left town and went to be with her cousin Elizabeth who also had a miracle in her barren belly and is now carrying a baby as well, John the Baptist, she surrounded herself with people of faith. She's like, I can't have people in my life that are going to speak trash. I can't have people that are going to believe that things are impossible for God because I know that nothing is impossible for God, so I'm not going to be influenced by people that don't believe in the miraculous. Amen? So make sure that people in your world, people in your circle, they have to be on your team. They ha- if you're believing God for something that's impossible, then you'd be like, you go, girl. I'm believing with you. And if you can't, you shut your mouth. I can't have you in my life. I can't have you on my, my feed. I can't be scrolling if you don't believe that nothing is impossible, which means you all probably need to stop scrolling. You'd get a lot more time to spend in prayer if you stop scrolling. Scrolling is like an addiction to heroin or pornography or food. You just, just one more. Just, that was funny. That, that was funny. That girl was fine. Just one more. Stop your addiction. Put it down. Surround yourself with people that say nothing is impossible for God. I want you to, I want you to pull out your phone, and I want you to start a text to yourself. So go ahead and pull out your phone, open your text, type in your phone number. I want you to write down something, one or two, three things in your life that you're hoping and believing God for, but you know it's impossible. I bet that, that so far has been impossible, sorry. Financial thing, a marriage thing, a relationship thing, a heart thing, an addiction thing. A... Man, it'd be great if Josie's eardrum was healed. It'd be great if Josie's brainstem was healed. It'd be great if, do you know that our church pays, I can't remember the number, but it's something like $60,000 a year in interest to the bank on the mortgage on this campus. It'd be great if this church building was paid off, amen? We could use that, mini- that, that money in the ministry instead of paying it to the bank. I hate interest, it's the worst. 
Maybe you're in a big financial trouble and you're like, it'd be great to be, you know, out of this thing. And then below that, I want you to write in all caps, nothing is impossible for God, exclamation point, hit send to yourself. Nothing is impossible for God. It'd be great if my kid get off drugs, nothing is impossible for God. It'd be great if I break this addiction to pornography, nothing is impossible for God. It'd be great if I get this financial breakthrough, nothing is impossible for God. It'd be great if I could break this addiction to alcohol, nothing is impossible for God. It'd be great if I start having these nightmares, nothing is impossible for God. Hallelujah. All right, put your phone away. Do you know that it is impossible to go to heaven apart from Jesus? You can live a really good life, not go to heaven. You can go to a great church, not go to heaven. You can sing worship songs and not go to heaven. You can give money in the offering bucket and not go to heaven. You can tell other people about Jesus and not go to heaven. Why? Because it's personal. It's individual for each one of us. We have to humble ourselves before God, before his love and his power and his presence. We are the ones that each need to take responsibility and take stock of our own hearts and say, Lord, if I've sinned against you, I'm sorry. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. I choose to die to my old life so that I can live for you. It's impossible to go to heaven apart from Jesus. So for those of you that are here this morning or you're watching on YouTube, and your hearts are inspired for God to do impossible things in your life and make the impossible ordinary, and you believe God for signs and wonders and miracles, that invitation is to his sons and daughters. That is an invitation for people of faith. Jesus himself said, nothing is impossible for those that believe. So do you believe? Do you believe that 2,000 years ago, God loved us so much that he sent himself in the form of his son, Jesus, to live a life without sin, so that on the cross that the Romans put him on, he was taking my sin to die for. That he loves me. That he defeated sickness, death, hell, and the grave. And that on the third day, he was raised to life again. And that he returned to heaven and poured out his Holy Spirit and power and presence that we'd never be alone, that we'd have this intimate, personal relationship with God. It seems impossible, but all it takes is a mustard seed, a tiny little bit of faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God and He is the only way to know the Father. It's impossible apart from Jesus. If you're here this morning and your heart's beating out of your chest and you're like, dude, I don't, I don't think I'm right with God. I think if I died today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Today is your day to repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, die to your old life so that you can live for Jesus. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will call you his son and his daughter forever. You're going to think, well, I, ugh, I've done a lot of stuff, man. You're going to try to disqualify yourself. Be like, I don't think you really know who I am or what I'm about. The Lord knows, and he loves you. He's crazy about you. The Lord has your picture on his fridge, and he's praying for you to get right. He's praying for you to repent of sin. He's repaying for you to become a son and a daughter. Today is your day to get right with God. I know you can do it. I can't do it for you. It's, it's between you and God. I want to lead you in a prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you. Does that make sense? If you believe it in your heart and you pray it out loud, the Bible says that you'll go from death to life. It's not a religion. I, I, I'm sick of religion. I hate religion. 
I'm I'm inviting you to a relationship with a loving father who's crazy about you. Go ahead and close your eyes. Let's just bow our head in prayer. If you're here this morning and you need to pray that prayer, it might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed this prayer. Maybe it's the first time in a long time. You've kind of been running from God. If you're here this morning and you need to pray this prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time and you're ready to get serious about your walk with God, would you shoot your hand up real high just so I know who I'm praying for? Nobody's looking around but me. But just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Shoot your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. Is there anybody in here this morning? Some of whose hearts are pounding out of your chest. You want to get right with God so bad, but you're afraid to lift your hand. I love it. What about online, YouTube, between you and God? Your heart's beating out of your chest. You know you've got to get right with God today. Just right there in your living room, right there watching the TV or the phone. Just shoot your hand up between you and God. Just say, man, today's my day to get right. Why don't we pray this prayer together? You might have been a little too chicken to raise your hand. That's all right. God loves chickens too. If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Come on, pray it like you mean it. Forgive me of my sin so sorry wash me cleanse me from all unrighteousness I repent I die to my old life so I can live for you forgive me adopt me I want to be a part of your family thank you for loving me Lord Jesus come into my life Be the king of my heart, the lover of my soul. Do the impossible in my life. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Listen, nobody raised their hand, but here's how we're going to do this. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, in a minute, we're going to open up these altars. We're going to start praying for people. If, If you were one of the ones that were like, I didn't. I didn't raise that hand, but it was me. I got right with God today. I want you to tell the person that's praying for you because we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you in your walk with God. We want to screw in a light bulb with your initials on it over on that Jesus wall. Those are all people that have given their heart to Jesus in the last few months, just like you. If you're watching online, I want you to text the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 817-405-2244. That's going to send you an auto-response form. Please fill out that form. Click Submit. We want to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God. But we also want to put your initials on a light bulb on the Jesus wall and and mark that this is the day that you gave your heart to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.